let's have a word of prayer, and I'll begin with uh, what I think I'm going to do, and uh, what uh, what I know is that uh, that you're here, and and when you raise your hand, where 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 we're going might might change because uh, this is not just a class; this is a time of ministry. Lord, you call us, as you have called your people always, to walk with you uh, into situations that are beyond us if we're alone. And as we talk about comfort, we acknowledge that you are the great uh, companion and comforter. Christ in the flesh was the comforter with us in the flesh. You, he sent, said he would give us another comforter uh, who's the sweet and good Holy Spirit who is in us uh, now. And uh, we, we live uh, different lives. We are in different places. But we are all uh, bound by the same Spirit. And so we thank you. Now, uh, so um, as we, uh, hi Jenna, uh, got I've got friends here, wife there. I've got, I've got, I've got a posse here. So, uh, one of the odd things in the world is is to be considered uh, someone who is a resource on uh, death, dying, and funerals. Um, that, uh, that you kind of end up being the funeral guy to a lot of people. And, uh, and that's, uh, I, I thought I, I really wanted to be maybe the brotherhood expert on bus ministry or, um, <laughs> you know, marriage revitalization, but I ended up being the deaf guy. Uh, I have a theory about, uh, about, about giftedness. And giftedness is not what you enjoy doing. Uh, your giftedness in the body is what God blesses when you do it. No matter what it costs you uh, out of your hide, it's what God blesses. So that's, so I have to, uh, I've, I've had to finally give in and say, well, this is something I, I know. And uh, it's the limp I have uh, uh, in the body of Christ. So, um, so I want to try to be uh, practical. I know that uh, some of you may have, have read my, my book, uh, and, uh, and some of you haven't, and some of you will, and some of you won't, and, I, and God bless all of you. And that's fine. Uh, but I want to, uh, to lean into uh, what it takes for a person to be helpful uh, in, in a time of, of grief, uh, loss, and dying. And, and so I begin with, um, one of the great things you can be is a defenseless Christian, uh, a defenseless Christ follower, and defenseless in the sense that you have been with Christ uh, enough that you no longer are in need of defending yourself, um, that you have uh, allowed yourself to drop uh, most of your mortality-denying uh, defenses. 
one of the things that we do is we, we tend to deny our own, our own mortality. Um, uh, and that many of the evils that are in the world are, are evils uh, created by uh, people trying to deny their own mortality. Um, and, uh, and when we, uh, when we try to deny our mortality, we try to cover it up with excesses of, of pleasure, excesses of alcohol, excesses of whatever, uh, then, um, uh, the work of death just begins us, begins in us in an even more powerful way. Um, the, uh, the behaviors that people have that are the wrong behaviors, often in a time with the dying or, or the, uh, the grieving, are most of those behaviors that are, are just kind of wrong-headed are self-protective behaviors. Um, and, uh, and I'll talk about some of those. So it, it, if we were to ask the question, uh, how do you drop your mortality-denying defenses uh, I would uh, suggest that, that one uh, thing that you learn to do is find uh, the ability to, to have times of solitude and silence. Uh, Pascal said uh, that most of the evils in the world uh, come because uh, men are unable to sit alone in their rooms. Um, and so uh, what I've found is that gaining a capacity to sit alone with myself in the presence of God in a time of um, meditation and uh, prayerfulness, and prayerfulness here defined not as praying for others, but, but, but in my own breath prayer, uh, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Um, I've been able to find that the, the hint of death that is in being alone. I want you to think about that. The hint of death that is being in solitude. The, the, the time of, of, of being in silence and solitude that makes you want to run away to the noise. Uh, that makes you want to run away to the distraction. That makes you want to get online and find out what's hot on Facebook today. Uh, Often it is your own uh, inability to deal with the, the beating of your own heart alone. Um, and so, so what I have found in uh, in developing in in what I guess anybody would only call what they do in a, in a rudimentary way, what I have found is that uh, in the solitude and silence with God, I have found myself able to sit with my own mortality in a more and more complete way. And in, in being able to sit with my own mortality, literally, I'm not always going to be alive in this world, uh, then that opens my heart to be able to stand next to uh, people at a time of loss without having to run away. And so, and so that's uh, important. Uh, the, uh, the, 
the challenge then is, is that when you hear that uh, someone is sad, when you hear that someone is dying, then, then what, you, what you know about yourself is that you are free to go toward that instead of run away from it. And one of the things that you, uh, that you find out about yourself at some point in your life is, are you the kind of person that goes toward the trouble? Are you, are you the kind of person that goes toward the trouble? Are you the kind of person that goes toward the conflict? Jesus said, blessed are the peace lovers. No, he didn't. He said, blessed are the peacemakers. If you're going to make peace, where do you go? You go to the conflict. It's kind of like plumbers. They like pipes that don't leak. What do they work with all the time? Leaky pipes. Leaky pipes. You you are always uh, called uh, then, uh, and you're free to be called toward um, toward brokenness. And, and these are places that other people don't want to go. Okay. And so to 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 the the, the question that is that was raised uh, to be able to notice people as they are. Be free to notice people as they are and not run away is the beginning of the gift of comfort. What is it? Uh, I love mankind. It's people I can't stand. You know, the old, the, the old uh, Peanuts cartoon. I love mankind. It's people I can't stand. Uh, or the... Or the uh, or to live above with saints <coughs> above, won't that be glory? But to live below with the saints we know, well, that's another story. You know, how all that works. And, and there's, there's, there's reasons for being uh, quietly apprehensive about the kind of people that Jesus loves. They're, they're not an uncomplicated lot. But ministry, ministry in its largest uh, uh, circle is a ministry to broken people who are being redeemed by Christ. But the ministry of comfort is, is, is taking us into a place of standing inside the circle with people who are grieving, suffering, and dying. So the, uh, so the notice, uh, to notice people and to move toward the trouble is a great great gift. Uh, it's a great gift to others. It's also a great gift to you. One of the things I think we ask ourselves sometimes is, am I capable of being a good and helpful person in this world? How do I know? How do I know that? That I'm capable of being a good and, and and, and helpful person in this world. How do I know that? Well, one of the ways that you know that is if you find yourself among the hurting. If you find yourself among those who have, who have lost. 
And, and if you're always navigating your way uh, through easier paths and, and happier people, then, then you know you're not really, you're not really ready uh, to live uh, the cross life exactly. You're not, you're not really quite ready in your level of maturity to, to, to go the places Jesus would go. And it's audacious to say, well, I, I, I can go some of the places Jesus would go. But, but if you are walking among the suffering, if you're sitting with the dying, and if you're, you have times of the grieving, then you're, you're, you're doing some of the work that Jesus would do. Okay? And that's, that's very helpful. So, so that's kind of sort of theological. So, so what do we do? Um, very, very quickly, I just want to say, show up and shut up. That, that's, <clears throat> yeah, you can go now. That's it. Uh, just shut up and show up. Uh, the uh, showing up is, is important. And, and, and so let's just take our, our friend here who has stage four pancreatic cancer. Um, one of the things that that you and, and our our bookkeeper at University Avenue in in Abilene uh, in Austin, uh, her husband just went through this uh, two years ago, and we walked through this exact scenario with her. Uh, and it, and 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 it starts off, you know, you, we know how these scenarios go. It starts off something's something's wrong with John. Uh, I wonder what's wrong with John. John's not going to the doctor yet. He thinks it's going to be all right. Um, John went to the doctor. The doctor's concerned. The doctor is concerned. The doctor says um, it's stage four pancreatic cancer, which is what pancreatic cancer always is. Uh, it's, it's nasty. It hides out until, until the building blows up. Uh, and then, then you're with John, and, and John is sort of bewildered by all of this. It's happening to him. It's not happening to anybody else. It's happening. This is a fact in his life. And, uh, and, and there's a notion that he has that and he'd like to go on one more vacation with Becky. But this thing is going so fast, he can't. He can't go. He can't go. And, 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 and so you, you have the, the opportunity to just get closer and have conversations. So John, how are, how, how are you? What, you know, what's, con what's concerning you? What's, and he, he may not even be able to articulate that. But he knows somebody asked the question. He knows somebody's in the room. He knows somebody's there. And, and from the last times he was able to, to come to church, and, and then when he was in his room, uh, and in his bed, and in his last days, and then you, you, you show up. 
show up. And, and so the corollary of show up is always go. When, when somebody calls and they tell you something is, is going on, go. Go. Um, if, unless there's some really good reason, always go. Show up. <coughs> and you show up. I heard. I see. I, I wanted to be here. I need to, I need to just let you know. And, and sometimes that initial showing up is two minutes. I'm not showing up to fix it. I'm not showing up as the, as the, the wise man bringing you a gift. I'm showing up to let you know that you can talk to me. I'm showing, I'm showing up to let you know that I'm inside the circle with you. Always go. There's a there's a book that's called uh, uh, I think it's called Leadership and Self Deception. And in it, it says uh, the whole premise of the book is that that often we don't do the things we ought to do because we hesitate, and when we hesitate, we rationalize and give ourselves the reasons why we don't need to do it. You know, why should I go over there? I'm busy. Why should I go over there? They've got people. Why should I go over there? I don't know what to say. And so, and so you run through your rationalizer and you give yourself all kinds of reasons why you don't have to show up. Those are self-protective. Those are, those are self-protective devices that your body, your brain, the dark side of your brain gives you to keep you from doing the things that you need to do most. And, and so when you when you hear, I just want you to put this. When you hear that there's an opportunity to go and be with, and immediately after that you, you begin to think of the reasons why now's not a good time. I may not be the right person. I don't know what I'll say. That is just your dark side rationalizer keeping you out of the circle of got to move past all that. Always go. Always go. There's lots of stories about that, okay? Uh, there's lots of stories. My favorite story is we had this wonderful lady, the, the fact that she was a little black lady doesn't, she could have been a little white lady, but she wasn't. She was this wonderful, glorious Christian black, and she would go to someone's house and she'd say, I hear you've got a little trouble. Um, and, and she would hug them and she would shake their hands and she would go to the kitchen. She'd wash the dishes. Laundry. She showed up. So, I'm sorry, I do, I do cry sometimes. And um, I used to apologize for that. I don't. Okay. Uh, some of this stuff is real. Uh, and you let yourself get close to it. And uh, when you cry, you just cry. That's all. So you, you, you show up. And, and then there's the shut up part, uh, which is uh, <coughs> exciting in many ways. 
Um, the, the cliche thing to say here is, remember Job's friends? They did great for a week. <laughs> they did great for a week. They came and they sat with him in his ministry. They sat with him in his ministry. And then when they started conjecturing why he was in ministry, they were really sad. Um, so, so, uh, so, so what do you say when you're trying to shut up? Um, <laughs> And, and basically, the, the, the key there is don't say anything that makes you feel better. And, and, and that, that's really helpful. Let me, let me just uh, uh, talk to you about this a little bit. Um, I, I, I was trained as a police chaplain when I was in my 20s. And uh, had, a, had a great police chaplain teaching me in Albuquerque, New Mexico. One of the things he said was, um, don't ever try to talk anybody out of being mad at God. God's had people mad at him for thousands of years. He can deal with them. He can, he can deal with them. And so, and so, um, so one of the things that you do is when you walk in, and, and this is very important, initial, initial contact, initial contact, is you walk in and you accept that person's position, their place, their, their thought, their emotion, their words. You accept wherever they are, as they are, without trying to change them. Your job is to go and be present. And, and often the very first thing you do is to just um, take someone's hand. To take someone in your arms. To give someone that shoulder. And, and then if you're a minister or a ministering kind of person, that prepared that they may back off and say, why is this happening? Let me guarantee you one thing. not answer that question. <coughs> the answer to that question is for you to receive the question. <coughs> Without shock or judgment. There are lots of things that are true that are not true in that moment. It's either not true or it's the wrong truth. God is going to work all this out. I mean, Romans 8.28 can be the most vicious weapon that you have in the wrong hand. Is it true? Sure. It's true. Is it true that Becky is going to be all right as God continues to work in her life? For sure. Is that what she needs to hear right now? Yeah. Is that what her husband dying needs to hear? Oh, you're going to be in heaven before I am. 
really know that's true. So, so the, the why of the anger, the bewilderment, um, when Someone, when some, when a, when a couple suffers a miscarriage of the baby that they never thought they would be able to have, who's equal to that? Who's, who's equal to that? Who, who has an explanation? My best friend, the fellow I talked to for 20 years, died. And uh, his, uh, his wife told me afterwards that, that someone came by and said, God needed him worse than you did. And, and she says, I've got, I got, I got three kids plus one we kind of adopted. High school down there. Why does God need my husband more than I do? Well, it was total hogwash. It's hogwash, honestly. Uh, you don't you don't know. And so and so you 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 withhold answering and you say things like, I don't Say things like, I can't imagine. You bring your broken heart to me. So, um, so that gets to be uh, pretty important. Um, there's there's a lot more complicated stuff that we can. We do about that, uh, you know. Uh, for example, you know, let's, this this I, I, I treat this as a book. It'd be interesting to talk about it. When you go into a situation uh, where uh, someone has been told they died, and there's people around, uh, if you you know think about stages of grief and phases of grief, including the Ross and some of those other things, you know that not everybody's going to be in the same place. You may walk into a grief salad. You just you may walk into that, now, where where someone is uh, is in denial, somebody else is angry, somebody else is bargaining, somebody else is this, somebody else is that, and, and and somebody wants you to fix it. So usually somebody wants you to fix somebody else. They, they, very rare for somebody to say, "I'm having trouble with my grief. Could you help me?" They're usually going to go, "Daddy's in denial." You go tell him the truth. No. So, so there's a hierarchy when you walk in the room. Okay. Um, um, the person closest to the center of the loss gets consideration first. Not the person you know So when you when you have a situation where John is dying, a 
pancreatic cancer, and his wife is, is here, and his son, sons are here, and his friends are here, the person you focus on when is gone. And then secondarily, you move to others, and you match as best you can your position with wherever they are in their grief. If you walk in and, and John is in denial about his pancreatic cancer, you don't say, are you kidding, John? Are you kidding? I mean, the other day when the Jeopardy guy is, is there, you know, and, 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 uh, and Trebek is saying, you know, we look forward to the next season and we look forward to this and we look forward to beating this. I did not want to call the television station and tell them that they probably need to start interviewing for a new host. You would talk to Alex and you go, you bet. Let's go. Let's fight this thing. Let's see if they can stick some gene on the outside of an, HI, uh, of a, an HIV uh, virus and, and, and let it go do some work. They're doing some stuff like that. Like you want to you you talk about your future when you don't, and I have one? And over here, there's someone who's angry. You don't go, you just better settle down. You, you receive that anger. You don't have to get angry too, but you don't accuse someone of an inappropriate anger. You stand inside the circle of that anger. You know, over here, there's someone saying, if, 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 we, if we'll start going to church, maybe God will save them. comforting, you need to have some emotional dexterity to be able to, to assess where a person is in their relationship to their own death or the death of someone close to them. And you need to be able to accept that <coughs> in a sense, kind of stride along with them, match. You know how when you're walking with somebody pretty soon, you're, 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 your gait um, you do that with people. You come alongside. Comfort the one that comes alongside. The character. You, you, you do that. And so, and so that's uh, support. Any questions? Let me just stop right there and see uh, if there are any questions about that. So, yeah. Okay. Ring true to you. Yes. something? Um, we had a, a fellow, uh, an elder, die one afternoon. Uh, his, 
So um, and so that gets to be um, uh, pretty important. I wanted to give you a skill. Um, I want you to walk out knowing how to do something, and I and I want and I, I want you to walk out of here knowing how to give bad news. You know we're the good news people. We're always with the good news. Well, uh, sometimes you have to carry the bad news. I, I write about this, but I wanted to to, to do it. resources to receive the bad news. You may have been in situations where some, uh, I'm going to talk about this, but you may have been in church when somebody gets up and makes an announcement and says, John Davis died yesterday. And you hear a gasp in the audience. Anybody ever heard that? Somebody makes an announcement and make it that abruptly and they hear a gasp in the audience. Well, the audience, people didn't, in the audience, they didn't get a chance to marshal resources to receive bad news. So the, so the way that, that goes is you start out here. There's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a very, there's a very silly joke that you can tell that demonstrates this. Uh, and so if you know the joke where the guy calls back to his brother at home and asks, how the dog lives, and the guy says the dog died. And the guy says, well, that's not the way you do that. Uh, you say, well, uh, you know our dog loves to play in the yard. And you, you go from there. And then at the end of the joke, he says, how's mom? He says, well, you know, mom loves to play in the yard. <laughs> so I, I wasn't going to say that, but uh, to give yourself some emotional. Um, but, but what needed to happen in, in the, the, the announcement is, Everybody, we all know and love John Davis, and, and we know that recently he's been uh, in the hospital. And, uh, and yesterday, uh, he actually uh, took a turn for the worse and was in the ICU. Um, and unfortunately, he died. Excuse me. There's some stops 
along the way getting to where you're going. And so, and so, so anytime uh, when we're making an announcement at church, I try to remember, I try to remember how you deliver bad news. Now, and, and this could be all kinds of, you, you can do this with all kinds of uh, bad news. You can do this telling your kids you're, they're not going to get to go on vacation. You know, instead of going, we're not going on vacation. You know, you know how, you know how it's been going lately. You know, dad's been out of work some, um, and, and we had to spend some money getting the car fixed, and uh, we're going to have a nice summer, but we're not going to get to go on vacation. Some emotional stops along the way to let somebody get prepared for bad news. Um, the example that I have here uh, in the book is that. Uh, as a police chaplain, I was asked to go and um, tell a lady that her husband had been shot and killed in a bar in downtown Albuquerque. Um, and so uh, you go and you, you knock on the door and she comes to the door and I ask, is your husband home? What do I know? I know he's not home because I've got his driver's license in my pocket. And I have stepped Uh, is your husband home? No. Was he out? But later, when you would write all these things down, it wouldn't make sense at all. Was he out? No. Did he go out with his brother? Yeah. And at some point, what you do in, in the notification, what you do is you do it in such a way that at some point the questioning flips. And it's not you asking the questions, it's the person, the notifying asking the questions. And so what she, what she did was, is there trouble? Well, I'm, I'm in a police car and I have a police chaplain's badge on my, my chest. Okay. It's not Mr. Rogers. It's, it's, there's something going on. Was there trouble? Yes, ma'am. Was it bad? Yes, ma'am. something that, that you uh, can keep in your back pocket as a way to tell people bad news. Now, you may be sitting there and saying, I will never, ever have to do that. I hope that's not. But if you have to do it, I hope you do it something like that. In a compassionate way. Sharing bad news in a compassionate way. <coughs> um, we had um, we had a family in a wreck in, in, uh, in Austin and uh, the dear wife was killed outright at the wreck. Her husband was 
injured and was care flighted into the hospital in Austin. The two boys in the car were injured less and they were taken to the hospital in Lano, Texas, which is a little town. And so um, that night I had, I got to, it was my privilege, to tell Steve that Alicia had died. And he was in the emergency room and he was wondering about Alicia. And so, um, so that was a, you know, you know you were in a wreck. Uh, it, was a, it, was, it was a bad wreck. next morning, he's in the room, and they bring the two boys who are at that point, uh, one freshman in high school and one in Vegas. Um, and I, I have to tell them that their mom died. Now, if somebody is going if to, if, if it's your place to do that, it's your place to do that, Nobody wants to know how to do that. But somebody needs to know how to do that. And and to be able to tell the boys, you know, you know you were in a wreck and all that. And to go through that, peeling a, a little bit of the onion off at a time, layer, a little bit of layer at a time, not excruciatingly so, but you just pray the Lord gives you the wisdom to know how to taste that. And then, when you deliver the news, you don't leave. You don't leave. Say, say, yes, ma'am. I'm just curious, did you tell the boys that their father was alive? He was there. They were with their dad. The, the, the reunion sweet reunion was when the boys came in the room to be around their dad. The hard news followed that. Any other questions? Does that make, does that make sense to you? How did you tell them in front of their dad, or did he tell them? Um, he, I told them, and then he Put that skill in your pocket. Yes, sir. So what happens if you do that bad one? Um, <coughs> uh, Steve Clore, uh, minister at Southside Fort Worth Correctional. Uh, God is very gracious, and and it'll wash out. Uh, it'll wash out. You know. The way the, the best the, when you do this, the best you think you did is a C. Because it's awful. It's awful. And you and, and you you might think, 
probably should have gotten to the, to the badges a little sooner. But, but what's true is that after a person is told the bad news, they don't remember the rest of it. They really don't remember. They don't go back. They don't come to think of it. Well, see, you cut the puppy dog's tail off an inch at a time. Uh, so it wouldn't hurt. Uh, but, but people don't. If you allow them to marshal their defenses, that's gracious. Once they hear, it's kind of like when a, baby, a mom has a baby, she rarely remembers labor. The guy says, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I just heard Sarah Barton moan. Uh, but but uh, the, attempting to do it is better than It takes a certain amount of courage to go into hard places and not run away. Not run away. Uh, when I when I'm walking, you might do this. That when I'm walk, when I get out of the car, I have a I have a, a breathing pattern that I do, and and I move into what I call uh, don't hurry, don't stop. Don't hurry, don't stop. When I'm walking in, I walk deliberately, I breathe deeply, I, I slow myself down. Slow yourself down. Don't panic. God is with you. Don't panic. Don't run. Don't run away. Even though you, you want to, you wish you could. It's not your time. It's not your turn to run. I've got a couple of things on this, but, but uh, um, so when you're not shutting up, uh, one of the things to do is at some point it's right um, to say, tell me about it, or tell me a story, tell me about it. This is a skill. Um, this is different from some people I've been with who want to tell you a story. I don't know if you've ever been around someone that, that when they, they move into a, a, a grief situation with someone who's dying or someone who's grieving, they immediately go into story. Their story. As if I'm going to tell you my stories to make you feel better. What they're doing is they're telling their stories to make them feel better. It's a, it's a it's a it's a it's a self-protective activity. There may be a time down the path where you get to tell one of your stories, but um, but um, one of the great things that you can do, and this comes from a, my Gospel of John teacher, Neil Lightfoot, who at one point I think we were studying John eleven. Talking about death and just in a casual way, he said, uh, Invite people to tell stories about the one they love. Invite people to tell stories about the one they love. Um, and and this, can, this can be helpful early on. Uh, sometimes, it, it, sometimes it's okay to ask somebody, What happened? When my friend, 
I had a heart attack at Blue Haven and was dying. Uh, he wouldn't let his wife call him 911. He was a doctor. He wouldn't let his wife call 911. I think he thought he was going to beat her. Maybe. Maybe. But, but she, she, she needed to tell someone that he didn't let her call. And she, he, she needed to tell someone that she kind of felt like maybe she should have disobeyed him. She needed to, she needed to tell someone. Later on, as you, as months went by, we would tell stories. We would tell David stories. I would say, Jill, remember when I'd come over, and and David would say, Jill, we need tea. vacation last? What's, what's the last thing he told you? And some of those sound like they might be kind of painful, but but they you know, we get to talk. And, and what happens with that is you're acknowledging to them that, that you not only care about the, the one who died, but you care about them. If you don't want to hear if you don't want to hear their story, you don't want to hear their pain. You don't want to hear about the one they lost. Then, what good are you? So, so that's a great thing. Tell, tell me a story. Yes, ma'am. that I did in Abilene is I uh, had a great assistant, Mary Johnson, one of the, I think she may be an angel <laughs> doing some work out. <laughs> but when someone would die, she would make make a file and 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 I sent out a card in a month, in three months, in six months, and in a year. And that we were doing that Things that people can say. Well, we, God would do that, though. Right, right. 
Underneath all of this is the subtext of joy. Underneath all of this is the resurrection of Jesus. I tell people, if, if Jesus isn't raised, the depressed people are right. If Jesus isn't raised, there's nothing in this world funny. If Jesus is raised, there's some funny stuff. If Jesus is raised, there's a reason to go forward. If Jesus is raised, there's a reason to minister to the dying and the grieving. If Jesus is not raised, fine. They're just closer to what's real than anybody else. That, that, that our ability to walk through difficult times, our ability to go and stand inside the circle of grief, our ability to stand there and not run away is all dependent on the empty tomb expressing the love of God. Otherwise, there's no reason to do any of this. But because of it, the love of Christ say just let me do just 30 seconds on that. One of the sweetest things that, that I ever get to be a part of is when someone has been working at dying for a while and they just can't quite get there. And when the family gathers and around the bed and says, Mom, you've done everything you need to do. We're fine. You want to go? Mm -hmm. You can go. Mm -hmm. 
presence of God is and uh, I don't know how many times this more than when I can count how many times that within a short time someone leads it away and, and sometimes when you're in the room now <laughs> don't go to your friend's house when they just got you know a bad case of strep and, <laughs> they might take that the wrong way. Uh, but, but there is a time, there's a place to say, would you like to pray a prayer of Well, if we can go. Love y'all. And uh, I know that you will walk into the the lives of other people, and you will be the presence of